0: by sports interaction canada sportsbook hello there ladies and gentlemen welcome back to game over winnipeg my name is brady i'm joined here by my co-host Liz. and the jets have officially well i don't know why i said officially have won <laughs> 5-2 against the ducks uh we'll dive into that uh after the first period i wasn't too sure how the game was going to go but hey Do you think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with sportsinteraction.com. Whether it's sports or whether it's World Cup, hockey, football or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play and cash out. Uh, Join now and see all the sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, let's uh, let's delve in. You know, uh, Jets win five two. Uh, at the start of the game, I was pretty frustrated with the first period. I'll be honest with you. Um, we'll delve into the rest of the game. The Jets ended up coming back to win after going down two nothing. They get five straight against the Ducks, and uh, and yeah, of course, like I said before, I'm joined here by Liz. Uh, Liss, what was what was your general take on the game? Um, how did you feel? Watching this one and, you know, take us through the the emotions going through the game from the start to the end. What were you feeling on the Jets today?
1: Well, I think it nailed it on the frustration part, right? Because the thing is, when you start out that way, no matter how it ends, you're frustrated. The Jets end up winning, cup, scored a couple of nice goals to put them on top there. But you're still frustrated because it's like you know that they're able to do that. You know that they're able to capitalize on bad teams. They should be able to why can't they do that from the beginning darren in the chat says it's a w but why the consistent slow starts and i absolutely agree like if you can't play a solid 60 minutes ever like what is going on like i think even in a lot of the other wins that we've seen it's been a really frustrating slow start and you know you have all these notes like they're really not catering to us brady when they're, we have all our notes about what we <laughs> want to talk about from the game and by the end it's like i feel like i should be throwing this half of this out the window because they won and they whatever but You know, a lot of things to be frustrated about. Brady and I were chatting um, earlier on in the game and Brady made some good points about some of the things that we thought the Jets are really struggling with, and they seemed to pick them up a little bit, which ended up, you know, coming mm-hmm. out with the win. So um, I think that some of those are some good points that we'll touch on, you know, the different kinds of scoring chances that they weren't able to, um, you know, create for themselves and the special teams and all those kinds of things.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, coming into this game after last game, which was a, tra- a travesty, a train wreck. Uh, I had a show the other day. I was by myself. Uh, was, it was a tough show to do because other than just the the, I was saying to list the worst part, the worst feeling you can have towards your team. Team is apathy and frustration together because again you just sit there and you um you're frustrated but you don't really have like the fire inside of you to to articulate what it is you're just feeling bored and upset. So coming into this game, there were a couple things I had written down right at the start that I was like, okay, these are the things that the jets need to focus on and improve on this game, which was, was really important to me. The first things was in zone defense, uh, the defense off the rush, and they need to create more, uh, more offense in the slot. Like they need, they, they've been relying far too much on their, their, um, you know, shots from the perimeter shots from the D D-men, shots from Shifley taking a one timer from the top of the circle against the boards pretty much. Um, um and I thought that uh other than the you know the first period uh I thought that they they actually did a lot better when it came to especially on the rush chances like I, I I after the first period there was nothing at all um as far as rush chances and then as well as in front of the net I think that you know other than on the the first goal against which was you know on the power play it's kind of tough to really um to to really you know get mad at a guy for losing his man on the power play but at the same time it's it's a defenseman who's in front i think it was it was Dylan Demello as well as uh uh, Brendan Dillon both Dillons were on the ice for this one and uh, I, no one just picks up the guy in front so that's that was my biggest frustration with the first goal um, but after the first period like it seemed like the Jets kind of keyed in and if you're looking over at the uh, you know the money puck uh, you know expected goals chart to see you know when when did the Jets really turn it on it's also you know based on feeling and, and watching the game um, you can really tell that after that first goal and then in the middle of the second period the, the Jets turned it on like that's that's when the the seismic shift of this game Um, prior to that uh, I I was sitting there very upset Uh, I'll I'll get through these emotions real quickly because I think we you know we want to dwell on the fact that the Jets won Um, but uh, my biggest issue was you start slow against the 32nd best team the last place team in the league who's on a back-to-back and they look like they have more energy than you. Like that is something that Rick bonus needs to absolutely, you know, uh, push down on and absolutely, you know, hammer into these guys that they cannot be doing that. If this was against any other team than the ducks, they could have got buried in the first period. And, and then it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a goner from there. But, um, where, where would you say Liz, Cause you know, I'm, I'm rambling going on, on and on here. Where would you say the turning point was for the Jets? And, um, what, what were the keys do you, did you find to the Jets turning it back on?
1: Yeah, listen, while I agree with that, um, I think that honestly, okay, that first goal, that was the men goal, correct?
0: Uh, that the Jets scored? Yeah, yeah that yeah that was the uh mental lining goal where uh what happened yes. I, I need to bring up my notes here i can't remember exactly what happened but
1: it was just like a bang in front um I believe.
0: oh that was the I, one where, where where schmidt just kind of threw it in front and he, yeah. he got he got sick on it but hey you know yeah, look looking no, at that so that's 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 a play in 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 the middle of the ice in the slot where you got to create chance anyway sorry you go that's off what we're
1: saying no to me um the biggest momentum shift was after Dylan Sandberg scores his first career NHL goal, I think that that was really where they put the foot down a little bit and decided, okay, we're going to win this game. Dylan Sandberg, obviously, like, I am not a huge fan of picking out individual isolated plays and making an assessment on a player based on that, whether it's a good or bad thing. Um, You know, there are some people that That's why I think a lot of people evaluate goalies poorly because so many of the things that they do are very flashy. So it's if they make a huge mistake, people just automatically assume they're bad and vice versa. They make a flashy Andre Pavlik save. They think that they're really good, even though they are just out of position. You know, we've been over that kind of stuff. Uh, But Dylan Sandberg, of course, he... That little biff at the blue line was yeah. the entire reason that that second goal went in, right? So and that's that's tough on someone. That's that's hard. You don't. So I didn't think that he was having the greatest game even before that. Um, but you know he's had some rough injury luck. He's had some you know yo-yoing with the AHL and the NHL and all that kind of stuff. And he's really got his spot now. So so happy for him to get that goal in, right? And I think you know Mikey Essamon in particular was happier for that goal than Dylan Samberg <laughs> was himself, right? Like the team was fired up. and I think after that they just decided this is a game that they needed to win. Don't know why they couldn't have decided that at. You you know the puck drop from the first period but whatever wins a win and i'll take it
0: yeah absolutely i um I, I think that's it that's a really good i'm glad you pointed out the the biff on the on the first goal because that's one where like that's just uh, a player you know he he gets the puck on the line and he starts skating backwards to try and open up you know maybe a slot get a lane for a shot and the puck just kind of floats away from him and you know Mistakes happen, and then you know that that in a game like this, uh, that's all a a team like the Ducks needs to pounce on, uh, on me on your mistake. But I got to give credit to both Dylan Sandberg and as well as Rick Bonus, uh, for for giving you know Dylan Sandberg the opportunity to uh, continue playing. He didn't he didn't really bench him after that. He didn't give him any you know tough love. He didn't sit him down and go you know like you, you can't be doing that. Uh, he had confidence in him, which is you know really important you know from. Um, you know, we, we've been sitting here for how long debating that sixth uh, that sixth defenseman slot on the jets. And, um, it, it's very good to see a lot of, um, <laughs> uh, it's very good to see a lot of, um, A lot of confidence coming from him and uh, continuing through the game. I thought he played fantastic after after that, you know, after that one mistake, he kept playing well, kept getting a lot of shots on uh, on the on the net. Sorry, I'm laughing at the at the guy in chat saying I got no mic issues today. Uh, Hopefully it should be good. Uh, Listen, I hopped on early to make sure that uh, (laughs) that it wasn't happening anymore. So we should be good, hopefully. But uh, it is what it is. Um, Yeah. And so so looking at this game again, we got to kind of look at the the you know the changes that the jets made of course jansen harkins gets pulled out of the game uh he had a pretty rough game against the blue jackets as well as um you know a really really dumb penalty in at the end of the game just crossing a guy for absolutely no reason um and then you know Jansen fialby comes in steps into the lineup uh as well as you know the the other thing to mention too we have you know sam Gagne is in the lineup again he played on the second line for the first half of the game um I'm throwing too many things at you. We'll just start with Jansen Fjalbi. Uh what did you think of his game? And also, what do you kind of think of his uh, his place on the on the roster? Uh, should he be an everyday player? Do you think he should be moving up? Uh, what's your thoughts uh, on on uh, on AJF?
1: Again, I feel like I'm just such a broken record when I say things because I really struggle with evaluating players just on a single-game sample. And he was in the fourth line tonight, so he probably played, what, like 12 minutes at the very most kind of thing. (laughs) So I'm happy to see him back in uh, because I do think that he has a little bit more upside than some other guys, like, you know, the Dominic Tony out of the world. And honestly, probably... Jansen Harkins, too. I'm still not fully on the Jansen Harkins train. I don't know. That being said, um, playing on the fourth line tonight, that's definitely more where he belongs. Uh, Brady and I were chatting a little bit before the game, and I think Brady, you know, came up with the best way to describe him, which is all gas, no breaks, right? Like, there's not a lot of finishing talent there. There's not a lot of offensive generation there but the energy is there he's a big energy player and I don't mind having that in your bottom six just to create a little bit more because you know especially if you were to go more into like a playoff type style hockey like you need all four lines to be running and you need energy guys on that in that bottom six to be able to continually run and put some pressure on the other team so um I didn't see like not much to write home about from the game in my opinion on AJF's part but uh I don't mind him in the lineup and I think that uh he's probably just guy to me at this point and he kind of always has been again a guy who's put on waivers at the beginning of the season isn't going to become your team's hero like some people were like oh yeah he's on the first yeah line. that wasn't gonna stick we know that <laughs> um but i thought i thought he was mid i don't know
0: yeah I, I i would agree and and i knew i knew throwing that over to you was kind of a, a softball qu- or like just kind of like a you know i don't know say whatever you want about the guy um I'm glad you kind of brought up what I was saying, but I, I think that he's a, a player I personally would prefer to have in the lineup most games. Um, but again, at, at, yeah. at, at the top, at top end, I don't want him on the third line. I don't want him on the second. Don't want him on the first. I think he's uh, almost an ideal fourth line guy who will go out there. Will, uh, as, as I as you said, as I said, uh, all gas, no brakes. And I think there is a lot of value there. You know, we always, uh, as as people who are more analytically inclined, you you and I. we, we do kind of brush over some of the issues in regards to... Uh, or we, we do brush over some of the intangibles kind of thing. But I think there is, is a great value in having a guy like, like Janssen Fialbi on your fourth line, who when he gets on the ice, he makes the most of his opportunity and goes all out. And I think that that is something that that does have an effect on the rest of the bench. I think the rest of the bench looks at a guy like him and goes, OK, one, this guy's busting his ass. So either if you're if you're a guy who's on the fringe of, you know, a guy who's trying to uh, make his make his mark on the second line with uh Dubois and uh, Kyle Conner, you're looking at a guy like that. who's going, OK, uh Johnson Fialbi is is putting everything his ass into. Like he's he's going all out right now. And if I don't do the same thing, this guy could be replacing me. I like having the internal competition. And I think that a guy like, uh, pushes the rest of the team to be better. And again, he's an energy guy. And I think that, that, that rubs off on other players. Um, and again, all the while saying this, I, I think he is an effective fourth line player. Cause obviously you can't just float on the intangible side of things. I think that he's a good PKer. Um, I, you know, I, Again, same thing. I, I can't really comment too, too much on this game in specific, but uh, I think that he's been, you know, a, a welcome addition to the lineup. Um, I want to move over now to Sam Gagne, uh, who started the game off uh, on the second line with the, with Dubois and uh, and and PLD. Or no, that's the same player, with Dubois and Connor. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, he gets taken off that line and Mike Simon gets pumped up. Um personally i am not the biggest fan of sam gangi in that top uh in that top uh, six, I thought that he looked really off today. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for uh, the benefit of the doubt for last game, because, you know, he kind of was, you know, first game after being scratched for a couple. You got to shake the rust off a little bit here and there. But at the same time uh, today, he looked uh, brutal on that line. Like he there were many times where you could see PLD and, and Kyle Connor had this kind of chemistry flowing between the two of them. And um, and Kyle Connor would like, you know, get into open ice, get a nice pass from PLD, and then he would put it over to where. He would expect a player, uh, you know, like Morgan Barron was not saying that Morgan Barron's the answer on that line, but anyone else on that line would be busting their ass to the to to the open space and he puts it into that open space and then Sam Gagne is nowhere to be found. He's just a step behind. Um, what did you think of uh, both Sam Gagne's game as well as uh, Mikey Asimont, and again, his kind of spot in the lineup? Um And what did you see from him after he got moved up onto the second line? You know, take it wherever you want. Start with Gagne, start with Ace That's all you. Uh, Dealer's choice.
1: Yeah, well, I think (laughs) that, you know, this question being so multifaceted just speaks to the line blender that was out today. Um, You know, I was kind of confused about it, especially earlier on in the game. But, um, you know, to the Jets' credit there, there was a lot of five-on-four play happening. There was a lot of penalty killing, a lot of power play time. So they're moving a lot of guys around and whatnot. But, uh, they, it's just very clear that this team doesn't have a set way that they like their lineup yet. You know, there's been so much shuffling around beyond the like, Shifley Perfetti, pretty much like, and you know, even still, like there, there's been a lot of movement around in this in these last few games in particular. So Sam gangi I fully agree. I think that there's, he's he's not. A fit up there. Um, I do still think that there's a ton more potential there for some offensive bottom six upside than in someone like Jansen Harkins and even someone like, um, Sakuma Line. And even though he's been on some random goal tearing or goal scoring tear right now, but um, I don't think he's in his groove right now. I think that he started off the season okay. Um, but I didn't like a lot of his game tonight. I think it made more sense to drop him down. But again, Mikey Eszaman is not a long-term solution in the top six. Um, That being said, I think he's a long-term solution in the Jets' top 12 there. I think he's, you know, solidified a spot for himself Mm because he's been fantastic and nothing short of what we needed from him uh, since he's been brought up. But I think that, you know, the Morgan Barron top six tryout was one that made more sense than some of the others but I much prefer him with Adam Lowry we talked a little bit about that pregame I think that that's a fantastic pairing Um, and mm-hmm. if you know when Ehlers can come back from injury if you slot you know, Blake Wheeler or someone like that down in there, like that's a really fantastic top yeah. nine that you're possibly able to run. So I don't know what the solution is. You know, many years we find ourselves, you know, screaming at the Jets from our TVs and being like, please try this combination out. Like I know that obviously this isn't working in this pairing, this trial and group could be so good. And to Rick Bonus's credit, he's tried out a lot of different options this year. And I just can't, I can't figure out a fit for someone like Sam Gagne yet. I don't know where he fits.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I, th- I think that he fits nicely on like a fourth line and maybe some power play time. Um, I think one of the, um, I I like what you said about, I I don't know if you mentioned this now or if it was pregame, but you mentioned something along the lines of, it feels like almost the jets don't exactly know what they're doing when it comes to that second line spot. Um, I liked, I like giving Mikey ACM the, uh, the bump up because again, he has been playing well and, um, and he's deserved to, to be given that extra line of spot and given a chance there. But I think that long term, that just is not the solution, just like you said. And, you know, this brings me to, I think, the crux of kind of where everyone's at this season is do you trade – for uh a, a, someone else to help out you know the middle six uh like a wing a right winger uh do you trade for them you know now sooner than later do you wait out the Ealer's injury do you uh try to bank as much um cap space as you can and then try to swing for the fences at the trade deadline and go get a guy like I don't know uh Timo Meyer would be someone who I'm really interested in although uh, I haven't gone through the cap friendly trenches to see uh what that looks like next year if when he gets his you know $10.5 million or $10 million uh, qualifying offer. Uh, maybe a guy like Patrick Kane, although I'm not a huge fan of him personally, and I don't think that he's as good of a hockey player as he used to be, but uh, he does have that superstar potential. And maybe, you know, you put him on a new lineup and he looks better uh, or even just, you know, the lower end stuff like Connor Garland. Uh, I wouldn't call this guy lower end, but uh, Sam Reinhardt would be a guy I'm looking at. Um, in your opinion, do you think the Jets need to go out and make that trade? Do you think that that's something they should be looking at doing? Uh, should Chevy be on the call, on, on the phone within the next few weeks, uh, you know, patting out the, you know, the details of a deal? Or do you think that they should kind of wait, see what they have, let, let Ehlers come back from injury, again, see what they can, you know, blend around the, 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 the top 12 and see, you know, what they actually have? Uh, where do you stand on that issue?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, should Chevy be on the phones is almost a bit of a rhetorical question, right? Because if you're a GM of a hockey team, you should always be on the phones. Because unless you're 82-0, and there's always something you can do better with your team. And I think that the Jets very clearly need to be looking at what it is that they need to be doing better with their team. And I think that there have been a lot of people that have talked about a lot of different um, options with trading defenseman because of how many the jets have right now. And, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, like there are lots of teams out there that would be looking for a Billy Hanel or that would be, you know, looking for a uh, Dylan Sandberger, or Logan Stanley, like depending on what the, the you know, the jets want. And this kind of goes back to my thing of what do they want to do? Because once they decide what they want to do, then you understand that all those players are expendable and you can move them around to make a better fit. Um, I think the jets should trade for. a, a Like a, a top six winger right now, just because I think. With Nikolai Ehlers healthy, healthy, as Darren says in the chat, wait till he's 27 is healthy um, and, and bring him back and then figure it out. I think that even when Nikolai Ehlers is healthy, the Jets only have five top six players right now. I don't think Blake Wheeler is a top six forward anymore for, you know, if this team is looking to go for it this year and make a push. I think that he's... A short-term fix you know it's like if you need some energy on a shift and you need to try something out like he's a viable option there but I think that if the team actually wants to generate more with their top six they need someone else in there because as good as they have been in spurts I don't think that they've been good enough over the stretch to be a top line of a team that's going to go far in the playoffs and I don't think that Connor Dubois and random guy in the lineup is enough either um so I think I think that even with Nikolai Eulers being healthy, they need someone else, and you might as well bring him in now before the price gets jacked up at the trade deadline when everyone else is looking to make that move too. Uh, but that being said, what does it look like, right? And I think you mentioned a couple of really good players there. Um, it would have probably have to be a money in, money out kind of thing. And if that's the case, who are you moving around? They do have some decent prospects down there that they could package up and, and stuff, of course, but you got to make sure it works within the cap as always. So I don't know what it looks like. Sam Reinhardt, obviously, would be a dream. Connor Garland with a change of scenery could be an interesting fit there too. Uh, it's all about the fit, right? But um, back to my original point, Chevy should absolutely be on the phones and no player should be off the table. If you're looking to make the most out of this team.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I think, I think you, you, you took it well there. I think that that was kind of, that's kind of where I stand on it as well too. Um, because I think the reality is, as you said, there is only five guys in that, that top six who I'm like, they need to be top top. Uh, They need to be top six players. And I think that, you know, if we're looking at this, the Jets are kind of in a two year window right now. They have this year and next when they have, you know Connor Halabuk, who they have to resign, which we're we're not going to talk about that because we don't want to be sad. Um, they have Mark Scheifele, who needs to be re-upped. You know Blake Wheeler will be coming off the books as well too. Who's he's still you know an effective piece of this roster. Um, but I think that if you're you're building a championship team uh, with what you have uh, here in Winnipeg, um, a championship team has Blake Wheeler on the third line. Like, that's just the reality of it. And uh, yeah. I think you kind of meant you you brought up the fact that I was saying before the show that uh, I'm, I'm you know, really happy with how uh, Morgan Barron has looked with uh, with Adam Lowry. I think that they they complement each other really, really well. Two big bodies who can go out there and uh, kind of command play and try and feast on other teams, third, third and fourth lines. Um just imagine a guy like Blake Wheeler on that line, like just uh, Wheeler being able to come into the zone and just kind of put the puck into in front of the net and have those two guys bang at home. Like that's, that to me is a makeup of a line that should work in my opinion. And then again, if you can afford to put uh, you know, somebody with, uh, you know, I I would love to see a, you know, a perfetti Shifley uh, Ehlers line when he gets healthy. Um, And then, you know, Connor uh, Dubois and someone else, you know, it is it is tough to kind of figure out, you know, who should be on that line. It's tough to really predict trades. Uh, And as you said, you know, any GM should always be on the phone. Um, I wonder, though, if if the prices, you know, maybe aren't uh, I don't know if the prices are going to be more expensive now or later, closer to the deadline, because obviously you have more teams trying to get, you know, the big fish. But at the same time, teams aren't always necessarily confident on whether or not they want to you know dish people off but I feel like in this year where Connor Bedard is is uh you know the grand prize that all the bottom teams are looking for and you know if not they'll take Adam Fantilli they'll take Matt That's Femishkov say, yeah. they'll the take, consolation prize there's, there's a lot bad, of I there's think. a lot of consolation prizes here uh if, if you're a, a bad team this year and so I think that you know you might be able to pry a Timo Meyer from uh from the Sharks because, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, the Sharks are not doing well and they they do not need to have a player like Timo Meyer, a player like Eric Carlson. Not that we should be training for him. We do we have too many D already. But um But also Eric Carlson. But also that would be kind of sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh um, can you
1: imagine how much that could change the scheme of some of the offense like we were talking before about how awful the jets are at getting the proper you know slot shots and high danger shots that aren't defenseman point shots or mark sh- mark shifley at the top of the circle shots can you imagine how dynamic <laughs> our offense could be with eric carlson i'm sorry but what an upgrade that would the, be on so many like on the, everyone
0: my only issue, though, is then you're gonna end up having at least two defense on each power play, and Billy Hainola will never see the light of day, and he would probably be in that trade. I so, so, would. so I, so I just want, I just want to remind you, Liz, that if would would you would you be willing to give up Billy Hanola for an Eric Carlson deal? Not yes. that we, <laughs> what yes. <laughs> see I don't I I the only reason I have I I'm skeptical is you know we have one season where uh Carlson's back to being you know Carlson that he was past
1: you have an awful defenseman for 11 million dollars exactly yeah. no, that that's th- there's always that fear
0: <laughs> exactly when you could get uh, a bargain bin version of him uh next year when Vi Hanola inevitably makes this team uh, JK that will never happen.
1: Who are Um, you kidding? Who are you kidding? Not me. Not me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Darren C. uh, Trade now is more expensive as games are prorated in terms of salary cap. Trades at deadlines are more affordable to the cap but cost you assets. That's I think I think that's kind of the. Yeah thing and so but but the jets do have a decent amount of do they i'm pretty sure the jets have cap space don't they i think someone said earlier uh they've million got dollars or so yeah so i mean i think that that allows you some space to bring guys on but um but, uh, it, uh, but um, money has to go back and forth no matter what
1: and is that including Nikolai Eulers on ltir or no
0: i have no idea and i i cannot remember yeah. how ltir affects um banking cap space i don't think that you can bank cap space from LTR. No one
1: knows. It, we, we get into another. Time. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not
0: I am not Brandon Primm. Um, <laughs> Where's yeah. Marat? I'll
1: call him. Yeah. For, Hello, <laughs> celery cap. Hello. <laughs> no, um, for
0: real.
1: But
0: okay, then uh, I guess I guess we can we can hop back into the game. Um, you, we kind of mentioned him, uh, and and we kind of talked about that top line. Uh, I, I I think that today. Personally, I found that Perfetti didn't have uh, his best game. I think that he he still looked good. Um, but I thought that that line until, you know, things started rolling after, you know, the second period, um, that both Wheeler and Perfetti looked a little slow today. I thought Shifley had a good game. I think he was in a pretty dangerous, uh, in pretty dangerous locations. So, um I, I will definitely give him credit for that. Um, however, I don't think that that Profetti had the most fantastic game. Um, I think that you know the only reason I bring him up is because we've been so constantly uh, talking about him. You know, he's had a good game. He's had a bad game. He's had a good game. He's had a good game. He's had a good game. Um, what did you see from both Wheeler and uh, and Profetti on that top line there? Um, you know, if if you're going to next game, would you be shaking that up? I think I remember you saying something on the lines of "You're not sold on that line." Um, yeah. So. Take it away. Uh, the mics. The floor is all yours. Uh, top line. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, so I think that I haven't been married to that line. And then they got better. And then they were not so good. And then they got better. Like, you know, there's always that song and dance. But I think, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of things, there's still obviously some room for improvement there. And I think this goes back to just kind of the general issue that we're seeing in the top six where they're just not generating enough. I don't feel like all five players are playing enough as a unit when they're out on the ice, like your top lines on a team that's in the top of their division should be, you know, powerhousing and, you know, taken over when they're on the ice, they should be creating a lot more than they're giving up. Teams should feel caved. That's just not what we're seeing from these teams. Like, you know, plus I plus minus is a dumb stat, but I love saying that same, but, but when you look at like, you know, previous games and like some of their top six players are, are sitting in like the minus threes, minus fours. And it's like, they shouldn't even be playing that much time in their own defensive zone, you know? And it's like, I understand that that's always the case that there will be times when they play in their defensive zone. Connor McDavid plays in his D zone. Kale McCarr plays in his D zone. It happens. I get it. But I just feel like there's not nearly enough offensive prowess and enough pressure and enough dominance for me to justify leaving that top six as it is. And I thought that tonight in particular, I guess it's the afternoon still, um, but whatever. <laughs> um, Wheeler and Perfetti. Again, when, if one of them is not on, I feel like the other isn't on because neither of them can carry that line on its own. Mark Shifley is fine. Mark Shifley's had a good season. He's good. He's whatever. But I think both of those players need to be good in order for the whole line to look good. The line looked bad tonight. Again, we yeah, Wheeler looking a little bit slower. Perfetti just didn't seem to be his full self. Like, you know, on that last goal there um, that Shifley scored, like Perfetti passed to Wheeler, who passed to Shifley, who scored that beautiful shot. Hence, I w- ran upstairs and switched the jersey. I was like, you know what? Shifley deserves it. <laughs> The jersey on the wall for that one um but even still like you know the past was calm and collected from Culper Freddy because we know that he's able to do that but just generally speaking I didn't think that there was enough from them at five on five for me to you know go crazy about it or anything like that and I just I don't know what the solution is and I don't think I've liked enough of what I've seen from them consistently over the last I don't know how many games have been together six seven I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass here but I haven't (coughs) liked them enough for me to justify wanting to keep them together I'm okay with shaking things up
0: for sure I think when it comes down to that line like we saw a couple games ago what what was the game that uh, that Wheeler had hat trick who are they playing again it was um uh anyways Colorado that was Colorado yeah I think that was the Colorado Yeah. yeah it was the Colorado game um the way we see that saw them that game is is what that line can do when they're on um but I think really uh much earlier in the year they they put that line out and it was brutal like it was slow it was really bad they didn't come back to it for a long time finally they put that line back together once they switched around uh you know connor on uh the lower lines or not the lower lines on pld's line um but i think that the my issue with that top line is either they are on and they are making crisp passes to each other they are um in each other's uh you know constantly you know reading the play they all have kind of the vision of what the play should be doing it's almost like someone's playing nhl watching them from like uh on uh, on you know a, a top-down view who can kind of manage all of his players and they play well together but the issue is when you have games like tonight where you know and especially yet like, yesterday or not yesterday the last game against the blue jackets when things when the passes aren't connecting for those guys that line is brutal like it they are not able to create anything. And and so luckily, because I, I just don't think that, you know, one, one of the issues that, you know, the 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 knocks against Perfetti is he's not the fastest skater. Uh, we all know that Mark Shifley tries when he would like to. And Blake Wheeler is unfortunately old like getting old for for so he can't be motoring every single game you know some games he absolutely hasn't and has uh fire step uh and is ready to go but on the nights where that line is not clicking it is bad and and you can have a lot li- a top line um you know if you want to be a team that's top of the league top of the central you can't have a line that one game is you know Fantastic! Making crisp passes, they look like the Sadine twins out there. Uh, and then the next game, they look like they could be a third line who's getting you know dominated by uh, the opposing team's top competition. And um, absolutely. And so, in kind of just going back, I also wanted to even you know note on on the goal that Shifley scored there, um, and just kind of talk about the the Jets' play as it kind of evolved throughout the game. I think that that goal was created uh, just because. If you look at the goals before then, other than the Samberg goal, you know, you look at the Mendelining goal, you look at the um who was it? Uh the Baron goal, where they had a, a super nice uh passing play. Uh, you look at uh I think that those were was the main ones. Those are goals where they created uh opportunities in front and they they created them in the slot. And it just it just goes to show that uh on the Shifley goal there, for example, um that goal was created because the defenseman backed up and just went into the middle of the slot because that's where they've been creating shifley has a great shot um was able to put it home and uh and yeah and then of course schmidt scores the final power play goal uh and and there we go jets win um all around it was a pretty wishy-washy game we got a a little bit of the fun side of of watching the jets crash and burn um And then we got to see them, you know, as, as they always say, you always have a game plan until you get punched in the face. Jets got punched in the face in the first period. And you know what? They staggered. They got back up and they punched back. Um, so I'm just going to throw it to you. We, we got to end it off here very soon. Uh, fi- do you have any final thoughts on the game uh, as well as kind of looking forward to uh, the next game, which is on Tuesday against the Panthers? I'll be at the game. So Liz will be hosting and she'll have a, a guest with her as well. Um, so, yeah, wh- what would you what, what are you looking forward to next game and also give your final thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I think it's the kind of thing that you know these these suggestions, these recommendations are not unique to the Winnipeg Jets as a hockey club, right? I think a lot of teams need to work on this type of thing. But you know, um, the improvement off of the rush is something that's you know super huge for this team. When they can't enter the zone properly, they can't enter the zone with confidence, with strong possession, uh, they really struggle. Uh, and special teams, I think, both need to improve a little bit. I think near the end of the game, their penalty kill bailed them out a little bit. But I think um, you know their power play, if they can't figure that out soon, that's going to cost them a lot of you know, should be goals and therefore a lot of games, I think. So um, I think the quality of offensive chances just generally needs to improve in order for this team to win games a little bit more sustainably. They need to be better off the rush. They need to create more chances in tight in front of the net. You know that they have the players like Pierre Luc Dubois who can score in those situations, but they just need more of that pucks more of those pucks in front. And that doesn't necessarily mean point shots from defensemen. Uh so I think those would be two areas that I would focus on in particular. And I don't know what exactly that solution is, right? You know, if if and if the team knew they'd do it, right? That's always the the catch 22 on those is that you know what you need to do sometimes, but it's all a matter of of the process of how you get there. Uh so I think that just the quality of the high danger chances that they're able to create is so, so pivotal to this team's success going forward. Uh, and I also just think that they need to beat Paul Maurice um, yep. going into <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Paul Maurice returns to the building. Uh, will he get a better uh, salute tribute video than Patrick Laine did?
1: Yes. Oh, <laughs> I if I were to move to Toronto for a work term for six months and come back, I would get a better return video than Patrick Laine got. That was ridiculous. Anyways, we're not getting into that. Um, which also, I can't believe they didn't give him any attention on Friday. I was a little upset about that, but that's yeah. the point. But you know how Winnipeg fans feel about Paul Maurice. He's going to get a massive oh people the players will cheer for him i'm sure it'll be really, really we, need a,
0: we need a we need a communal everyone does the the salute <laughs> at the same time for him <laughs> maybe we'll get a new salute gif uh, of him the, the
1: white person <laughs> mouth with the mm, with the, the first lips is just <laughs> off so good i miss that gif
0: Oh, man. Uh, anyways, thank you all for tuning in. Please uh, like if while you're still here, please like the stream. Um, it, it really helps out uh, with YouTube algorithm, you know, post comments, this and that. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for commenting yeah. in the stream. We really appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. And
1: we also think that, you know, um, we've kind of gotten the hang of this where a couple shows in mics are better, streams are better, you know, all this kind of <laughs> stuff. So, um, but Brady and I are both admittedly still very new to this kind of thing. So, you know, if you guys follow us on Twitter, if you know us, if you're in the stream, definitely let us know how we can improve, what you like what you don't like from the show we always appreciate the engagements in the comment section i uh, we appreciate the streams afterwards on spotify and whatnot so uh definitely always appreciate the love and we'd love to get better so let us know how we can do that
0: and let us know if you if we have if there's a guest you want us to get as well too because yes, we're, we're always please. uh doing solo streams here and there so we're always looking for new guests um a list we'll have one on uh tuesday it's, it is mike mike gould correct Awesome. So, uh, Michael will be joining Liz on Tuesday.
1: I I have him lined up sometime soon.
0: I think I'm pretty sure it is on Tuesday. Anyways, regardless, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys, uh, on Tuesday and, uh, and yeah, check out, uh, obviously follow us on Twitter at NHL Chunky at Liz Hood and, um, follow at STPN Sports. Have yourselves a great day. Uh, have a, a good week. Stay safe. Thank you all for tuning in.